Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanya. Today is day number five, discussing the gifts and callings of God. And today we're going to get into the area of describing the callings of God, where they are. There's some that stand in the pulpit, others sit in the congregation, but we all have a call on our life. What are you supposed to do? Let's find out from the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. This is day number five. This is Friday of a course that I'm teaching you on the differences in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 between the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're now into the offices of the Lord Jesus Christ. We covered in verses 7 through 11 the gifts of the Spirit. Now in verses 12 through 27, we're taking up the offices in the body of Christ. In most cases, we discuss 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and say that's where the gifts of the Spirit are talked about. Yes, it is. But the bulk of this chapter is dealing with offices in the body of Christ and how we work together, how we fit together. And last time we talked about this, which was yesterday, we discussed the fact that in the body, there are parts that might feel inferior to each other. And the first one that's brought out is if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body. And we found out that the foot here in these verses of scripture, again, that's the part that's kind of unseen and the hand is seen quite often. Oh, the, the foot goes into a sock, it goes into a shoe, but the hand is seen at all times. The woman might say the same thing. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I do fix up my toes and stuff like that, but yet they're unseen. They're, but my hands are seen all the time. And the part that can feel inferior is the foot saying, well, look at the look at the, the hand. You know, I'm not the hand. The hand gets all the attention. When's the last time the wife held foots with, feet with me? No, that doesn't happen. And uh, look at the hand, how beautiful. When's the last time they bought me a watch? Well, they bought this guy a watch up here, and that's the hand. And so again, the foot might feel inferior, just like in of the body of Christ, Let's just take a church service for a moment. Someone working with the children back here. They send a few children back there and shut the door. No one sees. Nobody even knows I'm back here. They come and drop off their kids. They come and pick them up later. They don't even know if my name is Bill or Jane over here or whatever. You know, they don't know that. Only God knows I'm back here. Ah, that's exactly what you need to know. Promotion doesn't come through people. Promotion comes through God. Be faithful where you are planted. Be faithful what you are put. And if you're a foot in the body of Christ again, don't get jealous of the hand. And so it simply comes back to this. When it comes to visibility, yes, one's more visible than another. And the one that's more visible might be the one that's up there on the platform. The hand here is compared to one that's visible, seen among all. The pastor, the praise and worship leader, the one that comes and brings announcements, that's seen a lot up there. And people know who that person is, but they don't know who the heck I am. I'm back here, working back here. And it's just like, again, that foot being put into a sock, crammed into a shoe. And I carry the weight all day long. I mean, they think I do nothing back here. Man, these taking care of these kids is not easy. Being with the youth department's not easy. It's hard work. I'm carrying the weight around all the time, and that's how the foot may feel. It comes back to this. When it comes to visibility, one is more visible than the other. But when it comes to importance, would you rather lose your foot or would you rather lose your hand? 
that's where the thought comes. Wait a minute, I, I don't. I, is there a third choice? No, because you know what? When it comes to function, both are equal. The next part that comes here is the is the ear and the eye, and the ear's right around the corner from the eye. I mean, the first one you have the foot way down here, the hand way up here, but in this one, this is right around the corner, and the ear is saying about the eye, "Well, I'm not the eye, so I'm not really that important." And in this verse of scripture again, we're talking about it here, how that the ear can say that about the eye, but then we stop and think about it. When's the last time she? She looked deep into my ear. No, she looks deep into my eyes. He looks deep into her eyes, but the ears are her back ear. Oh, she has ear uh, eye makeup, but there's no ear makeup. No, no, she takes care. I mean, she want, she does those lashes and makes them long, but back here, they don't even know if I'm dirty or not. And after a while they check and say, oh, when's the last time I washed back here with my ear? Or, oh, but you take good care of the eyes. The eyes are the windows to the soul, but the ears are not the windows to anything. When's the last time they look deep into your ear? I hope not. So the ear can feel that same way. Some part of the church service that's being back here and I'm in maintenance, they don't see me, I'm important. They don't understand the church is clean when they get here. I'm the one that does all the work and they wouldn't know my name if it was printed somewhere. They don't know me, but the point of it is God knows you're there. And so you might quit being jealous of other parts that are more visible, understand your part is important. So when it comes back to it again, the ear, the eye, would you rather lose your hearing or would you rather lose your sight? tough decision in it when it comes down to it, how important they really are. So this is one part feeling inferior to another part. Verse 17 says, and on top of that, if you could swap parts with somebody else, the eye may not want to change. I like being the eye. Well, then now we've got a third eye. Now we got a fourth eye and it goes on to see what happens if the whole body turned into an eye because everybody's jealous of the eye. This is like us looking at some major minister saying, because I'm not brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, I'm not really important to the body of Christ. And God says, yes, you are. We need each other. And no matter how insignificant you may feel you like you are, you are necessary. So if the whole body were an eye, then where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, what about the smelling? It says, God has placed the members in the body as it pleased him. He put you where you are because he knows you best and you'll be happy where you are. You would not be happy being somebody else or being in their position. You find out you're not gifted for it. You find out you're not capable of it. And on top of that, even if the hand does, you know, is jealous by the foot, the foot's jealous of the hand. Can you imagine if you lost your foot trying to walk on your hands? The hands aren't made to do the work of the feet and the feet certainly can't reach out and grab that apple we talked about and then pull it to the mouth and eat it. No, you find out that the parts are made specifically for something and oh, they'll kind of work for something else, but they're made specifically for one thing. Verse 19, if they were all one member, then where would the body be? Again, one big eyeball? No, you want to have the members of the body of Christ each working together, each being content to do what it is. Even if you're this part of the little of the finger, you do your part. And then again, you got a little finger, fingers that all do certain things, but you lose one of them, you begin to realize how important that one finger was because you took it for granted. And that's exactly what God doesn't want us to do is take ourselves for granted or others for granted. We, re we actually do appreciate what each member of the body of Christ is for. Verse 19, if there was just one big member, where would the body be? But now are there many members yet one body? I want you to take a look, close look with me at verse 21 because this is a key verse of scripture. What were the two parts we talked about? Well, the foot was jealous of the hand and the ear 
was jealous of the eye. Why? Because the foot felt like an inferior part looking at a superior part more visible. And the same way with the ear and the eye. And it's again, we take a look at those two different things. What we understand is there's visible parts and there's less visible parts. And the visible parts could be your pastors, evangelists, prophets, the ones that are out there visible in front of people. These are the pulpit offices, but those in the congregation are more behind the scenes. They may be a greeter, they may be an usher, but just as necessary to God as the person behind the pulpit. And now all of a sudden we come to verse 21 and notice what it says. And the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Now we have a superior part feeling superior to another part. What we have here is two visible parts and they're jealous of each other. And one saying to the other, I'm superior to you. No, I'm superior to you. And these parts begin to get with it. You, listen, you ask me, is there such a thing as jealousy among ministers? Oh my gosh, yes. Tremendous jealousy among ministers. I have been in conferences and gone to a back room somewhere and someone preached an incredible sermon and all they, it's a bunch of them get in the corner and bad mouthing. And I think that was a wonderful sermon. It blessed the entire place. On the other hand, they end up occupying their conversations with brother so-and-so out there and what a terrible job he's doing. And I never thought about that. I thought the guy was doing a good job. They don't have anything good to say. It's mainly because they see them as competition. This happens among churches. Another church church across town starts to do well, and all you can do is think of bad things about them, and you bring them up. Why not rejoice over the fact that God has helped to raise up that church, and they're reaching people you couldn't reach in the first place? Appreciate them. So this verse is saying not only is there inferior feelings of a foot next to the hand or an ear next to the eye, there's the eye and the hand feeling jealous of each other. And this again comes back to competition among ministers. And those that are in visible places, again, jealous of each other. And notice what they say, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Oh, notice the next phrase. Nor again, let's bring the foot back into this, okay? The one that really felt like he was on the bottom of the, of the stack. Notice this, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Who is the head? The head is Jesus, and Jesus can't say to the lowest member of the body of Christ, I don't need you. Who are you to speak against another member of the body of Christ and say, we don't need you? Jesus can't do this to the foot, even though the foot might have a broken toe on it, he will never ever cut the thing off. He'll never say we don't need you and cut the foot off because once it's in the body of Christ, that's where it stays. And you can bank on this. If you're part of the body of Christ, you can't be lost in the body of Christ or fall off or anything. You know, listen, Honestly, I believe in once saved, always saved. That's how I do it. If you disagree with me, fine. Listen, we'll go to heaven one day. We'll both ask Jesus together. But I believe once you're a Christian, you're born into it, just like in the natural, when you're born into this earth, or you say, yeah, but you know, you could you could kill yourself. You could commit suicide. You would no longer exist. Oh no, your body wouldn't exist. There's two parts of you that are eternal, your spirit and your soul. They go on. And the same thing with, with abortion. I mean, we talk about the fact we lost that child and they killed that child through abortion. They killed the body. There was parts on the inside that are in heaven right now growing up before God and we'll see them one day when we get to heaven. That's at least one blessing that comes out of man's curse on this thing, this terrible thing called abortion. But again, God can turn it around and still get some good out of it. And the point comes down to this. If you could lose your salvation and you're a member of the body of Christ, think about this. Can you imagine getting to heaven and say, Jesus, your little finger isn't there. He says, yeah, Bob lost his salvation last week and my little finger fell off. 
That's how stupid it is to think. This verse is simply saying, once you're in the body of Christ, if there's something wrong with your spiritual walk, God will do everything he can to help remedy that thing. Because why? The head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. The highest member can't say to the lowest member, I don't need you. No, we're all important. Look at verse 22. No, much more those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, God doesn't think that way. We look at the body of Christ and say, oh, you're less honorable. You're over here. Oh, you're that denomination. Listen, we're all one in the body of Christ. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow greater honor and our unbecoming parts are more becoming. For our more becoming parts have no need. So some parts of the body of the physical body take less uh, care, others take more care. But God has composed the body having given greater honor to the part which lacks. That there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So the members have the same care one for another. That means if one member suffers, verse 26, all the members suffer with it. If one member's honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members as individuals. Instead of getting jealous because someone is thanked for the job they did and you think, I don't get that thanks, why don't you thank with them? Because as you offer it to them, it's gonna be returned back to you. Be appreciative of other members of the body of Christ and watch how people in the body of Christ will be more appreciative towards you. I will see you right after the break. In Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, we are told the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Many believers focus on the very last part of this verse, but it also teaches us that God works both the gifts and the callings together in each believer's life. We are living in a day when God wants every believer to find their place in the body of Christ. This five-lesson series from Pastor Bob Yandian will help increase your understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fivefold ministry gifts, the body gifts, and how each of these gifts operate together to accomplish God's will in the earth. This powerful teaching series will help you discover your callings and find your place in the body of Christ. To order the gifts and callings of God, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all that covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
All right, welcome back after halftime. I don't think we had a marching band, but we did have some good offers there. And what we're offering on this one is a CD on the teaching I'm giving you here on the difference of the offices in the body of Christ and our places and the gifts of the Spirit, all these things, how they work together. Let's take a look because we've been talking about in these verses of scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, visible parts and less visible parts. The visible parts I call the five-fold ministry or the, fall, or the five pulpit offices. What I mean by that, they're found in Ephesians chapter 4. So you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. These are the offices that people see when they come to church. And they see the pastor up there. Uh, they see an evangelist come into the church once in a while. Missionary leaders come into the church. These are visible. Not only in our church, they're visible throughout the body of Christ. And so our pastor is known in other places. In the, and he's bringing in brother so-and-so that's been around the world preaching. So we see that. And there's oftentimes we sit out there and look at that and feel well, who am I? I mean, what am I, chop liver or something? Doesn't anybody care about me? God cares about you. And maybe that 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 morning you had off and, and somebody else is taking the children's church and you're sitting in there and you're thinking, you know what, I'm down that hall most every Sunday. I'm down there taking care of children. They close the door right behind me. As soon as all those kids are in, they close the door. Nobody knows I'm back there. At the end of the service, they come and open up the door. The people just check their kids out and they might say thank you. They may not, but they wouldn't know my name for anything. They have no idea who I am. God knows who you are. And I'll tell you this throughout the word of God, when, uh, when you know, uh, people were in prison and uh, you know people uh, were somewhere where you couldn't be seen, God could bring them out. God did that. God delivered them from prison. God went on to make them great ministers. It comes back to, you have to understand, I'm not in here for people to promote me. I'm in here being faithful to God and he will promote me. I'm gonna keep on doing what I'm supposed to do. That is a faithful foot in the body of Christ. That is a faithful ear in the body of Christ. You may not be as visible ear as the eye around the corner and foot, you may not be as visible as the hand that's out there, but the hand and the eyes all represent the visible parts of the body of Christ, those that we see, but these other parts represent behind the scenes. And there's seven of those. We have five more visible offices and seven behind the scenes offices. And God doesn't want any kind of schism or division between them because the ones that are seen needs the ones that are unseen. The ones that are unseen need the one that are seen. And this is how we work together. Understanding God puts you in this visible office and God puts you in this less visible office. And you always start in a less visible office before God transfers you to a more visible office in the body of Christ. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter four. Here we have the five pulpit ministries, I call them. And these other ones are congregational offices. Every Christian has an office. It's part of your DNA whenever you were made in the womb. Paul said that God called me from my mother's womb. And so this is true. That calling was there inside of you being formed. It didn't literally come to life until you accepted Jesus. Once you accepted Jesus, that thing came to life and you started off and you start off maybe in a less visible part behind the scenes. God promoted you. God promoted you. But his goal was now that you begin to function as an eye, as a hand in the body of Christ, but you proved yourself in all these other places. And this is what God wants. So Ephesians chapter four we're going to read down through verse 13, but let's just stop here. We'll, do, we'll go so far and then we'll just stop for a moment. Verse one says this, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. And this is another word for calling or for offices we've been dealing with, that you walk worthy of the office with which you are called. Right now, it might be in a back place. It might be in a less visible part. I mean, you might actually be, you know, working in an office somewhere in the church on Sunday even. People that come through the door, 
they fill out a card and it's given to you and you start to work back there or else the offering comes in and you have to watch over the offering, put it away, put it in a safe or something and you're back there or else during the service, you have to be out there to monitor people coming in or just watch over, make sure nothing you know happens wrong during the service, but you miss the service in there and later you have to listen to the recording of the service. You weren't in there. And your thought might be, I'm out here. Well, the point of it is be faithful. It says again in that verse of scripture, verse one, walk worthy of the vocation. That's the calling and the office with which you are called. In other words, walking worthy simply means accept it, understand it, do it as unto the Lord as much as the pastor in their preaching is doing it to the Lord, you begin to do it as unto the Lord. Verse two goes on to say, here's how you are to handle your position. Whether it's a toe on the foot, whether it's a finger on the hand, or whether it's a big eyeball that everybody can see, do it with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice verse two. This is, this is great, verse two and three. How are we to do it? Lowliness. This is meekness. This is considering yourself, listen, I'm here and I exalt better other people than myself. The next word, meekness, literally means teachableness. Always be teachable. Listen, never reach a point where you think you understand it all. One of my favorite things to do, I love to teach Bible school students and to see those students come in and they think they know it all. I mean, they think they understand and you start to teach and they begin to realize something. I don't know, squat. I mean, and here I am teaching, but you know what? I never forget that because I have to stay meek. I have to stay teachable because as much as I know, I find out the more I know, the more I find out I don't know. And really what I don't know is what keeps me moving on and moving on to find new things. So with all lowliness, with all meekness, with long suffering, notice this forbearing one another in love. Forbearing simply means putting up with some things. Forbearing what, so you're gonna meet people that sometimes, Christians that are obnoxious. You say, are there obnoxious Christians? The answer is yes. I don't think there are. Well, then get involved in a church. You'll find out there's obnoxious Christians. Forbearing one another in love. That means standing. There's times you have to stand your ground and simply say no, but you do it in love. When somebody comes up to you, some of the squirreliest ideas about God and other things you have to look at and say, listen, you know, that's not what the Bible says, but listen, we can get along with each other. Okay? I don't agree with you, but we can get along. Even other ministers have to do that. Pulpit ministers disagree on certain things, but you have to come to the point where you say, listen, I love you, brother. You keep preaching, I'll keep preaching. And listen, if you don't, if you don't understand what I'm saying now, we'll both understand it in eternity. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but you know what? In the meantime, we are to put up with each other, love each other, and work with each other forbearing one another in love, endeavoring. You know what the word endeavoring means? Hard work, working hard to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what this verse is saying? It's not up to the pastor to keep peace in the church. It's up to the congregational people to keep unity and peace in the church service and among the people. The most important thing, I used to teach this to my people is, listen, if somebody comes up to you and says something bad about me, pastor's done this, question them. Did you hear him say this? No, but somebody told me. I, you, you tell them, listen, you go to them and get this straightened out because if you don't, I'm gonna go to pastor and tell him. I'm gonna get you two together to straighten this thing out. It's up to the congregation to help keep peace among the people of the congregation and unity and operating in love toward each other. And verse four says why? There is one body. One body what? One body of Christ. 
That's Jesus Christ. There's only one body. You can't leave the body of Christ and go join another body. Well, I'm gonna join the Baptist church down the street. I'm gonna go join the Methodist church down the street. I'm gonna get rid of this charismatic thing and go with this over here. Listen, you might do that, but you're still part of one body. As long as these people in this church are born again, we're all part of one body. There is only one body and one Holy Spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling. You know what the one hope is? We're all gonna go to heaven. We're all gonna go up in the rapture of the church, which is called the hope of the church. And this verse is telling us we're all going up at the same time. And there's been teaching around for years. If you're not living for Jesus, you're going to go halfway through the tribulation. No, we're all going up at the same time. We're all going up because why? There's just one hope of our calling and the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to take us all to heaven and we'll all go through the judgment seat of Christ and come out on the other end of the judgment seat of Christ as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Verse five goes on to say there's one Lord. Notice this, there's one body of Christ in the verse before this. Now in verse five, there's one Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one faith. One faith here simply means one faith that gets us into heaven. It's not faith in Buddha. It's not faith in Muhammad. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's simply accepting one Jesus Christ, the only means of salvation. I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. This is the one faith that makes us part of one body in verse four. So we have the Holy Spirit here. Now in verse five, we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One faith and one baptism here is referring to the new birth period. Only one faith gets us into to union with Jesus Christ and there's just one baptism and the new birth is that baptism. We referred to it back in the opening verses that by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ when we exercise one faith in Jesus Christ. We accept him as Lord and Savior. At that moment, the Holy Spirit picks us up by the nap of the neck, plunges us into the body of Christ. On the way down, the Holy Spirit asks the Father, where does this one go? And God says, that's a foot. In fact, the little toe on the foot. And then the Holy Spirit leaves us there. It's the one baptism where we don't come back out. Don't do this with water baptism, but with the baptism of the new birth, place them in there, they stay there, and that's where you remain. And God may move you around to different parts, again, as you become more faithful, and he has an ultimate call for your life, that's fine. But again, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse six, one God and Father of us all. Notice in verse four, we have the Holy Spirit. In verse five, we have Jesus Christ. And now in verse six, we have God the Father. Again, your place in the body of Christ, just like the gifts of the Spirit operating in you, all the members of the Godhead get involved in this one. One God and Father of all. Who is above all? There is nobody above God. God the Father is above everything, above everybody. There's no, there's no gods above him. All other gods are demonic. All other gods are from Satan himself. And God the Father is the only one in a class all by himself who is eternal, has always been here and will always be here. Satan himself, who starts all these other religions and has leaders around the world, had a beginning. No, he was created by the one who had no beginning, who's always been here. And Satan himself will one day end up in the lake of fire forever and forever, and God the Father will continue to rule. One God, one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. He works through us and he lives on the inside of us. We become the moment of salvation, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God comes to live in us and Jesus Christ comes to live in us. Verse seven goes on to say, and this is where we're gonna take up Monday, but to each one of us is given grace 
according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Underline that word grace because this grace is not the grace of salvation. Once we become born again, this grace we're talking about is where you are placed in the body of Christ. And if you are a foot, if you are a toe on the foot, or if you're a great big eyeball, it comes back to this. God chose to put you there and he chose you there by his grace. He, you didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. And to each one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. As much as Jesus Christ was graced by God to be the head of the church, you have been graced by God to be the hand, the ear, or the eye. Listen, it's been great talking this this week. Next week, we're going to keep on going, and this just gets better and better. And so I will see you next week. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.